All right, this Monday marks President's Day, popularly recognized as honoring George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. The day is sometimes understood as a celebration of the birthdays and lives of all U.S. presidents. The origin of President's Day lies in the 1880s when the birthday of George Washington, commander-in-chief of the Continental Army during the American Revolution and the first president of the United States, was first celebrated as a federal holiday. In 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Bill, which moved a number of federal holidays to Monday. Now, presidential historian Douglas Brinkley is the chair in humanities and professor of history at Rice University, a CNN president historian and a contributing editor at Vanity Fair. He's received seven honorary doctorates in American studies. He works in many capacities in the world of public history, including for boards, museums, colleges, and historical societies. And six of his books were named New York Times Notable Books of the Year, and seven became New York Times bestsellers. Doug, there's been 46 presidencies and 45 people have served as president. Grover Cleveland was elected to two non-consecutive terms and as such is considered the 22nd and 24th president of the United States. Let's talk about how the office of the president was originally formed. Well, you know, when George Washington did us a great favor because, um, you know, we tapped him uh, after winning the the Revolutionary War, uh, a man named Charles Thompson, who was Secretary of the Continental Congress, went to Mount Vernon and said, General Washington, you're it. It was the unifying figure of the 13 colonies, now 13 states. But the big thing Washington did, while he's usually ranked one or two as presidents of all time, is that he didn't seek re-election after serving long enough. He said, look, I don't want to be like uh, somebody who stays in for life. I'm going back to Virginia, and we've got to have this four-year ritual of electing somebody different. So by stepping down, he started uh, enhancing the um, the history of the presidency. Well, it's funny because so many politicians today, um, especially like the governor's office in Illinois, everyone wants to hang on to the job like a pope. That's what Washington tells us not to do. Yeah. Washington says, let it go. Um, you know, do your time and go back. And you, they, There's a sort of saying Harry Truman used to say, there's nothing more important than being a citizen. The president is not bigger than being a citizen. Don't cling to power. Do your job and then go back into your community. Who would you consider the most impactful, you know, like the top presidents of our generation, you know, you know from the baby boomer years, to today, you know, people who are still alive that lived and breathed and, and saw these people in office. Who would you say, you know, the top five in your mind? Well, let me just say the three great presidents are Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Franklin Roosevelt. So there's nothing like them. And FDR, the modern times winning four elections, is almost in a category by himself, sure. bringing us through the Great Depression and World War II. But in the baby boomer time, really the big person who made a difference was Ronald Reagan. Uh, we were living in the shadow of FDR, but meaning the belief that the federal government was there to help you and um, we're, we're going to you know, do expansive things like Social Security or the Interstate Highway Act or going to the moon, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare. And Reagan is the other turn of the pendulum. He's saying, look, enough big government, we've got to cut taxes and start. Um, it's gotten too big. The FDR revolution has gotten too far. So Ronald Reagan is, is somebody who's ranked very high as modern presidents. Um, Harry Truman, although he's not quite a baby boomer, but Truman gets high marks, and, and Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, Kennedy really wasn't president long enough to judge fully, but 
the public loves him, uh, scholars less so, but Kennedy's always ranked very high. And, uh, and somebody, a sleeper that's come up a little bit in estimation is Gerald Ford. Many people now feel really his very short stint uh, in the White House, he actually did a pretty good job. Now, backing up a little bit to, to President Kennedy, you know, was it more about the time and Camelot and the glamour of it all and really the accessibility to these people than it was about him being one of the great presidents? Yes. Yeah. But also keep in mind, I mean, he, it went from kind of a black and white visual era of Eisenhower to the Technicolor 60s. We see John F. Kennedy in color. And due to his assassination, he's always going to be seen as the gallant, handsome man. Sure. Um, people like Ronald Reagan got Alzheimer's and Lyndon Johnson and Nixon got very old. And we have, we have visual images where Kennedy's always at the top of his game. And let's give him credit. He did an amazing job of getting us through the Cuban Missile Crisis and dealing with the Berlin Wall going up. And some of the things Kennedy created, like the Peace Corps, the U.S. Army um, um, Green, you know, the Green Beret, um, the uh, Naval SEALs. He did a lot of institutional things that are important, but he's not up there in the Reagan um, FDR league. Now, what about the the most uh, the five most important presidents of all time? Who out of the Reese, the the ones you just mentioned, obviously Washington, Lincoln, Lincoln, FDR, of course. Um, you know, of all time, you know, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. Who else would you throw up on that list? Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. for doubling the size of America with the Louisiana Purchase. Theodore Roosevelt putting aside two hundred and thirty four million acres of America, saving our national parks and monuments, conservation and TR. Yeah, that's really what he's known for. And I mean he was really a leader in that area. Oh, was he a leader. It's unbelievable. Decades ahead. Yeah. He saved the grand they were gonna mine the Grand Canyon for zinc asbestos and copper and he used an executive order to save the Grand Canyon. Uh, and so T R those are the perennial big ones. Washington Lincoln, FDR, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt. And then you get this next group, Andrew Jackson, who kind of brought democracy up to our, our system. Truman for, you know, creating our national security state, you know, founding CIA, and then the Pentagon and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the National Security Council and the Air Force. One could go on and on. We're kind of living in Truman's security state world. Reagan for winning the Cold War, although all the presidents contributed. But, um, you know, when he said tear down the wall and then the wall came down. Mm-hmm. And Dwight Eisenhower, who's seeing a great revisionism right now, uh, could have had a third term. He was so popular. Boom economy under his reign and uh, and was very astute and not he got us out of the Korean War and astutely didn't get us into any uh, other wars. Now, you mentioned, you know, even, you know, people are looking at Gerald Ford differently. How long does it really take, you know, for for scholars and educators and people who are really looking at what they accomplished in office, how long does it really take to realize their impact on America and and society as as it stands? That's a great question, and really the answer is 25 years, because that's when the Freedom of Information Act kicks in, meaning a lot of public documents start streaming out. And we could see how a president actually dealt with a lot of crises. There was a lot of feeling, for example, that Secretary of State John Foster Dulles had ran our foreign policy in the 50s. But when the Eisenhower papers came out, lo and behold, we see Ike was on top of everything, actually a micromanager. So Eisenhower started getting that upward revision. So it's usually the 25-year mark. 
And um, there's some presidents that are, you know, Bill Clinton, for example, they really don't like a lot of things coming out now. Hillary Clinton's in the political mix. And the idea that some document might come out of the Presidential Library, National Archives. So there's, they're trying to often slow the process down, Bill Clinton. But he's looking better in history, not for one giant accomplishment, uh, but, but having a surplus in a time where we're all moaning about, sure. uh, you know, going into debt, Clinton yeah. have a surplus. Now, you, you just said, though, that, you know, a lot of it is because of the freedom of information that 25 years later you get to dig in deep and, and really do some amazing research and have access to things that you didn't have access to before. So is it more about the discovery part of it, or is it more about the results of what they accomplish, or is it a combination of both? Combination of both. But, you know, let's look at something controversial like George W. Bush in the war in Iraq. We killed Saddam Hussein, liberated Iraq, but will that be, look good in long term? We paid a huge cost at the time. Someday there could be a statue of George W. Bush in Baghdad that he's the great liberator of the country. We just don't know yet. Interesting. Uh, but in about 25 years when we start seeing uh, what happens in a country like that, um, you're able to start getting a, a bit of a better handle on it than sometimes you immediately do. There, some presidents get upward revision. Eisenhower, um, Gerald Ford, and Harry Truman look much better, and George Herbert Walker Bush look much better than they did when they left office. Sure. Now I'm going to switch gears just slightly here and ask you, who would you consider some of the most important first ladies uh, that, that were part of um, you know the presidency? Well, there's, there's one that stands supreme, and that's Eleanor Roosevelt. And the more you find out about what a remarkable person she was dealing with human rights, civil rights, um, you know, a morale builder for the poor, the downtrodden, and also our troops during the Second World War. In more recent times, you know, um, Lady Bird Johnson and her notion of beautification of America was extremely important. And, um, you know, Betty Ford with dealing with issues of uh, substance abuse, um, Rosalind Carter with mental illness. I've been always amazed that all of the first ladies perform very well, um, uh, but they're often having to be in the back, uh, you know, side of their husband. Many of, very few want to be like Eleanor Roosevelt or Hillary Clinton and, and kind of supersede their husband in some ways. She did. A- Eleanor Roosevelt absolutely did. And I was looking at some, at some research here from 1881 to 1897, so, you know, almost 20 years Presidents Chester Arthur, A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison all lost their first wives while in office and then remarried. Woodrow Wilson, John Tyler, and Andrew Jackson, all for various reasons, had three different wives while they were in office. I mean, that that would that would have been some pretty diff- different news today than it was back then because they, they pretty much kept to their privacy back then. I mean, the press didn't, wasn't really digging into people uh, like they do today. Much more privacy. I mean... One doesn't know if John F. Kennedy's personal life could have survived this sort of scrutiny we have now. And I think the Monica Lewinsky scandal and DNA on the blue dress and all that made it clear that at least that, uh, the idea of adultery as president, that you're going to get caught. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, Grover Cleveland, who you mentioned, had a, a, um, got a woman pregnant and uh, she had the child and he had to claim, um, claim that he was the father and things like this. And so... Uh, but one of the points of history is, is uh, you know, they don't always think that it's worse right now or that the media is worse. They've often been uh, very vicious towards people running for public office. 
More with presidential historian Douglas Brinkley right after this on 720 WGN. State player on 720 WGN on this uh, President's Day weekend. We're talking to presidential historian Douglas Brinkley. You know, there were, of course, four presidents that lost their lives by assassination. Lincoln, Garfield, uh, William McKinley, John F. Kennedy, of course. Two presidents were injured in attempted assassinations, Theodore Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan. There are also five more presidents that didn't finish their terms. William Henry Harrison, Zachary Taylor, Warren G. Harding, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Richard M. Nixon, because he resigned. So nine presidents that didn't actually finish their terms. And our culture always reveres Presidents Lincoln and Kennedy. But how could history have been altered with their accomplishments in office if the likes of Garfield or McKinley, Harrison, Harding, Nixon, any of them finished out their terms? Well, I do, and you're you're touching on a very important subject: uh, health and our presidents. You know, often we elect people that are or that are on the senior side of things, and we have modern medicine today. But in the old days, I mean, it was um, it, you couldn't um, you know you would be just wrecked with all sorts of health concerns. I think James Garfield, who was assassinated, looked like he was going to be an outstanding president. He was a Civil War hero, a man of great integrity. Uh, we'll never know how his presidency was. John F. Kennedy, if he had not been killed, there's a lot of evidence that says we would not have gotten into the Vietnam War. Um, and so, you know, depending on the, the, the particular president, sure. uh, health matters. Now, how do we rank and, and, and how do you rank the worst five presidents of all time? Well, the absolute worst is James Buchanan because he just did nothing and kind of led us into the Civil War. So most people put Buchanan okay. as the worst. The other bad one was Warren Harding, who um, died in office of, um, of a heart attack or perhaps food poisoning, some combination. But scandals were just emerging. Teapot Dome, the most famous, but he was having an affair, and he was starting to um, you know, go downwards. Um, Franklin Pierce, Andrew Johnson, uh, Millard Fillmore, John Tyler... Those are all people that um, that seem to have failed as president. Uh, some that were near failure but did some great things are like Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Herbert Hoover is a failed president, even though a man of soaring integrity who um, just didn't do anything for the Great Depression, and so he's ranked, ranked very low. And Richard Nixon ranked very low because of Watergate. So Watergate is what really kind of obviously tore him down, but, you know, pre-Watergate, you know, how would you rank, um, you know, how effective he was in office? Well, just think, he won in, in 1968, he won the presidency, got reelected in 1972 in the biggest landslide in American history. He was on a roll. Man had gone yeah. to the moon. He created the Environmental Protection Agency. He was getting us out of Vietnam. He had made a, a um, new diplomatic relationship with China. But he had a dark side, Nixon, keeping an enemies list and wanting to destroy the liberal media. And, of course, just keeping these tapes of the smoking guns. They're really like smoking submachine guns, those tapes. Uh, just did them in. So it's very hard to analyze Nixon without Watergate, but he was very astute at foreign policy. As an author, you've written books about Reagan, uh, Roosevelt, and and Ford, but you also wrote about Jimmy Carter. What inspired you to write about them specifically, and specifically Jimmy Carter? 
Well, the thing about Carter that interested me is he kind of used the presidency as a stepping stone for greater things, meaning his ex-presidency. It's a weird compliment he gets wherever he goes, Carter. Oh, you're a wonderful ex-president, which means you weren't so great when you were in the White House. <laughs> right. But he does show that when you can leave office and do marvelous work in his, his attempts at eradicating guinea worm in Africa or work with the house building and Habitat for Humanity, um, you know, it allows Carter to have a kind of an integrity, and it reminds us to look at presidents for their full thrust of their life. Uh, Herbert Hoover and Jimmy Carter look better if you do a biography of their life than they do if you're focused just on their years in the White House. Presidential historian Douglas Brinkley. Doug, thank you so much for joining us once again, and have a great weekend. I really enjoyed it. You have a great program. Thank you so much, Doug. Appreciate that. All right, news is next, 720 WGN.